have such sights to show you. Scary Horror Podcast here. I'm your host, Cole, and with me, as always, I have my good friend and co-host, Aaron. Aaron, happy Independence Day. Yeah, I'm an independent woman. Don't need no man. And well, that's what we're celebrating. You tell them, girl. Yeah. yeah. Fuck men. <laughs> so, um, surviving the heat out there, bud? Oh, man, barely. Dude, I worked up a sweat just walking from my front door to my car and it did not dissipate until i was halfway here i had the ac on blast but my car like i have a black car and it's just just gets roasted in there <laughs> yeah i just i was like i didn't even realize i was sweating until I, was, I like felt a literal drop on my back and i was like what the fuck was that and i like and i was like oh i'm just fucking sweating on up a storm but yeah it, it's like been super crazy for me as well because i feel like i've been like dripping sweat and usually i'm not like one of those people that's like dripping sweat going like <laughs> You know, like our, wiping our personalities it from our face. aren't sweaty. You know, some people have a sweaty personality oh where they're just God. always sweaty. Yes, that's not us. It's just like fucking hundred degrees out. No, it, it three weeks now. No, it's it's super hot, and unfortunately, we're not out of the woods yet with no. that specifically. But I do think that the heat and uh, little patriotic colors will serve as a good overall arching theme today for our film. House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh So I know I told you last episode that this is actually the first film to be directed by Rob Zombie. Mm -hmm. Robert Zombie. Yes, and uh, what is your relationship to uh, the Robert of Zombies? Man, I can't think of a Rob Zombie song. I've never seen a Rob Zombie movie. I don't think he's a real zombie. Um, (laughs) So really, that's surprising. I'm surprised like you never even heard from your like other friends or anything like that. I've heard about him. You know, if you probably played one of his his most popular songs i might be like oh that's rob zombie okay but i can't i can't think of one off the top yeah no worries so my relationship to rob zombie was kind of like yours for the most part um it wasn't until like about freshman sophomore year of high school whenever i really started listening to him because again i was like kind of in my deep emo phase where i'm like grabbing anything dark edgy Mm -hmm. metal Mm -hmm. sort of thing and just consuming it and i had heard about it a couple of times from uh, some people i knew and so i knew the name for a while but the interesting thing about it is that um the reason why i know about this movie in particular is because of two things first off i had seen the poster before which um i could show you the poster for it um because doesn't really spoil too much of anything yeah so that's pretty much the poster right there but that always stuck out to me like anytime i saw it there but the other one um which i won't spoil too much about you'll get to meet this character but there's this one particular character named captain spaulding and there's this one infamous picture that I would constantly see of him anytime they're talking about like great horror icons Mm -hmm. and uh, he would pop up and it's just because he is such a unique looking character, which Mm -hmm. again, I won't spoil too much since I kind of want you to go into this. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. He's a, he's a rolling tennis ball. (laughs) Rob zombie had some weird horror taste, but I, I tell you what, (laughs) 
But um, yeah, so I would always see his face, and I'm like, oh, who's that dude? Like, where's he from? And then I would learn it's Captain Spaulding from House of a Thousand Corpses. And I'm like, cool, cool, I need to check it out. And it wasn't until years and years later till I finally was like, man, I just need to watch this movie. And I think I watched it in like in 2019, I want to say something like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so then I dove in and got to experience House of a Thousand Corpses. And so it's uh, very going to be an interesting thing because I feel like it's been a little bit of a while since we've watched a film that you're like, having zero context about yeah that's true that you didn't you like you don't know anything about rob zombie too mm -hmm, much mm -hmm. don't know anything about it as opposed to everything else where you've had maybe an inkling of a clue or like maybe like american werewolf in london you're like well i guess there's going to be a werewolf <laughs> but with house of a thousand corpses you're like what does that mean <laughs> are there actually one thousand i'm gonna count yeah, when the corpses start going on the screen. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a count. I'll let you guys know if there's a thousand or not. Do that. So, um, I guess without further ado, um, Aaron and I are going to bid y'all adieu for the time being. Adieu. Adieu. A D I E U. This has been the Poppin' the Scary Spelling Bee Podcast. <laughs> Cole, you're our winner. <laughs> Learn how to spell French words. Adieu. <laughs> Adieu. <laughs> it's okay. an iconic French word because you actually pronounce most of it because it's all vowels. Yes, yes. It, it, it does help that I try to, at the very least, say it respectably. <laughs> Anyways, uh, with that uh, speaking done, let's go watch House of a Thousand Corpses and mm. tell the viewers what we think, okay? Yeah, let's uh, do All right, it. okay, we'll be right back. Don't, 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 don't move away from that channel. Casa de un thousand muertos. Blood, violence, freaks of nature. Well, then come on down to Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, see the alligator boy. Ride my famous murder ride. Most of all, don't forget to take home some of my tasty fried chicken. Ha <laughs> ha! It just tastes so damn good. And we are back from watching House of a Thousand Corpses and uh, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, what's up, bub? Man, I gotta say, did the math, did the numbers. Uh, there's no goddamn way there was 1,000 corpses in that house. Are you sure about that? Outside, maybe. But even <laughs> then, where do you draw the property line? That's true. That is true. Um, there, it's there not is. The, it's not the property of a thousand horses. I, I know we're big uh, proponents of not spoiling the viewers before talking about the film. But yeah, spoiler yeah. alert: there is not a house made of a thousand corpses. No. Nor are there one thousand corpses packed into a house that could fit them. So that's got that's got that has to be a very uh, rude awakening for you because yeah. you know you look at the. Horror films, Halloween, it yeah. does place place on Halloween. Sure. Makes sense. Friday the 13th takes place Friday the 13th. Texas Nightmare on Elm Street. Chainsaw Massacre. There's a massacre in Texas with a chainsaw. I mean, come on. You we, know. we had an established thing going here. American I've... Werewolf in London. <laughs> At least there's that. It, it was being they honest. You, they tell you what's going to happen. Alien, <laughs> there's an alien. Shining, there's the Shining. <laughs> come on, man. We had a thing going. Man, it's... It, it's brutal, dude. It's brutal to be misled. So I apologize you were waiting for that House of a Thousand Corpses. Zero out of ten. 
Well, it, it was a nice try, folks. Uh, we'll tr- we'll do better on the next episode, <laughs> ladies and germs. Um, and so, anyways, um, so other than being disappointed that the film's title was misleading, yeah. any opening statements, thoughts about the film before diving into the nitty gritty? Uh, I mean, I did mention. I mean, we were joking. I said That's Texas Chainsaw Massacre a second there. This is a very Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Mm-hmm. Very inspired, I would say, mm-hmm. by the massacre that happened in Texas by a chainsaw. Yep, you are not incorrect. Uh, Rob Zombie was heavily inspired by Texas Chainsaw Massacre specifically. Um, to the point where uh, he was actually friends with Toby Hooper, who directed oh. it. And what's great is that uh, one of the actors in the film, uh, which we'll talk about, his name is Bill Mosley. Mm-hmm. He plays the character Otis, which, in case you don't know who that is, mm-hmm. he is the very angry individual with long strands of hair. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, mm-hmm. And so this was, I think, kind of a way to wrap it back around. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's very funny you picked up on those elements there because Rob Zombie was definitely, I think, inspired by Texas yeah. Chainsaw. I mean, it has a lot of the same, you know, it's got the, the spooky family with the house of horrors, you know, and mm-hmm. then the kids that are on a road trip and they get trapped there and, you know. And there's also a place that sells not barbecue, but fried chicken you know, <laughs> that they stop for for gas in the beginning. And that's how they get led to this house. You know, it's all, mm-hmm. you know, it feels like a spiritual successor in a lot of ways. No, for sure. I, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head there. So it's kind of funny just feeling like we're revisiting that sort of vibe there since mm-hmm. that's the first movie we started this podcast episode journey yes, on. Um, yeah, that very observant of you. I wouldn't expect no less of you, Aaron. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. My doctor says I have 2020 vision. You know? <laughs> Actually, he doesn't say that because I don't go to an optometrist because I have 2020 vision. I don't need eye care. You see everything. I see it all. All right. Well, I that's eat good. Four carrots a day, <laughs> three of them anally. <laughs> it all goes to my eyes. Warning. Baby, vitamin A. We do not recommend shoving three carrots up your bum. Not at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, like one one at a time, like a log ride. <laughs> Moving on. Please move on. <laughs> one day, one one day, my parents are gonna find this podcast somehow. Someone's gonna tell them, and they're gonna listen, and they're gonna be like, "I knew I was disappointed in him for something." <laughs> something. Oh. Deep down. I want to assure Aaron's parents, uh, he is a fine man with good taste. <laughs> You can't taste from your ass, actually. So the carrots are not part of my diet for that reason. No taste glands up there? No. Oh, Thank well. God for that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Dr. Satan could help out with that. <laughs> he's he's uh, done all kinds of experiments. Yes, for sure. He... And so why don't we uh, talk more uh, about it? Because um, I feel like um, my overall thoughts about the film is um this is my second time watching it and uh i was not prepared the first time i watched it for Mm -hmm. what was in store and the second time round uh was kind of enlightening Mm -hmm. because it's like the movie fermented for me specifically Mm -hmm. and certain parts that i thought were excellent were even better Mm -hmm. and in other parts that i thought were eh or even more. Uh, so oh, I, I really? <laughs> yes, yes. So there is 
I feel like it had a fermented effect overall mm. for the film because I've seen it like probably two years ago, probably okay. around there sure. that time. And so during that time, I feel like, uh, oh man, it's coming up on three. Holy smokes, time's wow. flying way too fast. Wow! Um, so I feel like, again, certain aspects are a lot better mm-hmm. than I remember it. And then there's a lot of aspects that are not so great for yeah. my members. So why don't we dive into the general story of this which fortunately i have had practice on because fun fact um one of my first videos i did whenever i was doing uh video reviews was Mm -hmm. actually house of a thousand corpses so i i've definitely typed out a whole review and gave my whole spiel but this will be a lot more in depth and i'm excited to dive into it so homework assignment for the audience at home find the parts where he actually splices the audio from that video yeah i'm it's always like well let me tell you my opinion uh, House of a Thousand. <laughs> you hear the audio change? Yeah. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how this review differs compared to my video review. So uh-huh. that'll be exciting to uh, compare and contrast. Yeah, but tell me about it. Yeah, but let's talk about the story. So yeah. basically, House of a Thousand Corpses focuses on this uh, group of friends basically traveling the countryside just trying to help write a book about oddities and sideshow attractions. And as they're driving along, they run low on gas, but lo and behold, Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men is just off the road, and not only that, but he has fried chicken and gasoline to boot. And so while they're visiting this attraction, uh, they are very curious about it, and uh, with Captain Spaulding's uh, lore spilling, uh, Mm -hmm. spitting the rhymes, everything, he tells them the tale of Dr. Satan, who was hung from a tree for all the crimes he committed experimenting on folks and everything else but the body went missing and so the group of friends is like oh we should definitely check it out and by group of friends i mean the one individual that is filled with bad ideas 24 7 yeah he does a lot of things wrong yeah. actually everything <clears throat> is his fault and so as they're trying to find dr satan's uh last known location they run into a hitchhiker which they decide to give a ride home to mm-hmm. and pretty much from that point on the film pretty much fires off uh kind of similar again to texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. which you know again i feel like it wasn't a beat beat uh beat 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 um, yeah, it wasn't like a beep or beep thing where I'm like, I feel like I'm just watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I right. feel like it definitely, again, I feel like it is definitely more of a homage as opposed to ripoff. Oh, yeah. Definitely its own film, but just, yeah, heavily inspired. But um, story-wise overall, I think it works out perfectly fine. The mm-hmm. only issue I have with the general narrative is the fact that I feel like the narrative, say it's like twine, right? You know how it's like a bundle of string? Mm -hmm. It starts off pretty solid there, and Mm -hmm. then it gets to a point Mm -hmm. where it just starts getting frailed Mm -hmm. and split Mm -hmm. off everywhere. Yeah, we're on the same page. And um, at the very end, there's like the tiniest, like, you know, like whenever you're barely trying to tie a knot with Mm -hmm. little to nothing? That's how I feel the film is. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I feel like, it wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing specifically there because, you know, I wouldn't say Texas Chainsaw Massacre had like a straightforward narrative, but I mean, it's pretty much like they end up in a bad situation and are trying to get out. And while it's true for this film, this film does throws in so many more elements there as opposed to the traditional kind of cat and mouse sort of chase there specifically. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre, crucially, like, 
they really they don't discover because they kind of go missing one by one you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's so like the the plot is kind of progresses naturally as like okay well we're at this place okay well where did this person go okay well i'm gonna check out this house and then it's really not until the end that it's just chase scene you know what mm-hmm. i mean trying to escape this film like they get caught in the bad situation pretty early mm-hmm. and the plot just kind of goes to a halt after a certain scene that i can't really mention without spoiling yes. it but it just grinds to a halt and there's really not much there's not really not much um escaping happening or attempting to escape honestly yeah. it's just like you're watching like a, you're like you're walking through a haunted house you know what i mean yeah it definitely i feel like again the protagonists are just put in situations to where they're unable to escape right. they're right. like anytime they try to mm-hmm. it's immediately stopped by one force or another there so it's not one of those annoying things like oh my god just leave but it's more like uh right they're stuck there, and you're forced to be stuck with them as well. Yeah. It's not like in Texas mm-hmm. Chainsaw Massacre, a lot of the escapements like literally running from a guy with a chainsaw. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or literally running for their lives. And there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of that in this yeah. film. And I feel like the freedom of Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes from the fact that the people individually, you know, they're picked off one by one. Mm-hmm. And again, people don't realize it until um, it's way, way too late. Right. So I feel like they're still like, a narrative being able to follow suit as opposed to just being kind of stuck there. Which again, we, and here's the interesting thing since we've watched so many films together, you know, we can compare kind of horror genre tropes to another. Mm-hmm. Cause say for instance, saw the right. two main protagonists are trapped in a room together, but there's so much other elements that are helping drive the story. Mm-hmm. And even though you feel like they're trapped, they're put in a situation to where they are meant to escape. Right. So that helps with there. But as opposed to this, they're kind of just stuck, period. Yeah. Like, yeah. hardly any way out whatsoever. And if there is a way out, it's kind of just by happenstance. It's just right. kind of more so random as opposed to cunning and wit. Yeah. Um, and there's also, like, even though they're mm-hmm. stuck, and I think I could say this without giving too much away, yeah. they're not really stuck in one location for very... It's like, mm-hmm. they, like the they, the scenes transition quick mm-hmm. quick quick and it's just like you're now we're here now we're here now we're doing this now we're in this place and it's like all you know in the same general area but mm-hmm. they're not like it's not like saw where they're stuck in a room and they're trying to get out of the room and that's the plot you know what i mean no absolutely um but yeah i i feel like while dancing around the narrative i feel like while the story overall i think it's fine mm-hmm. it's just more of the execution of the plot towards the middle part to the end where yeah. it's kind of like it just becomes a little disorienting to try to follow. I think, and I can talk about this in spoilers, but I think there's specifically one scene that they could just move to much later in the movie, and it would like still have that tension element. You know, you'd still mm-hmm. have the plot, and you could drag that part on a little bit more, and still mm-hmm. still have that plot curve. But they kind of cut one of the because there's you know once they get caught, there's kind of a stranded like double stranded plot going on, and they just sort of end one of the strands, and so now it's just like these people are stuck. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So I feel like we've kind of, um, without spoiling too much, have given our overall thoughts on the narrative. Let's talk more about, um, I guess we might as well talk about the main 
for individuals there. I feel like we can blow through this, too, because one of my criticisms is they don't really develop these characters. No, not too much. Uh, w let's talk about one of the people that's probably the most noteworthy out of the four, and that's uh, Rain Wilson. Yeah. You, I'm, I'm sure you were definitely surprised to see him in the film, specifically. Yeah, it's like, Rain Wilson. Yeah, and I feel like Rain... <sighs> I know he's trying to break out of that typecast mold of being Dwight just because mm -hmm. he did it so well there. But, and while I do feel like he is his own individual, it's so hard also not to see him anything else but Dwight yeah, from the office. Yeah, that's one of those, yeah, it's just hard to Yeah, not. which that's no fault of his because this came out 2003 and I think the office came out afterwards, right? Uh, yeah, well, see, yeah. and I wasn't really getting, mm -hmm. I thought, you know, obviously you see Rain Wilson and you think of Dwight, just like, mm -hmm. of course. But, I didn't think, like, there wasn't really moments in the movie where I was like, this is Dwight, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or, and I have that with other people. It, he yeah. was, I mean, he was like a nerdy guy, but he wasn't doing any sort of, like, Dwighty shit. Yeah, it, it's like, again, just kind of like a body there, like, kind of a little more responsible one. Because yeah. I gotta be honest, like, I've seen this movie twice, and if you had told me to name all four of the characters' names, I could have not told you. Nope. Which I think is definitely kind I, of... Uh, I can't name any of them, to be honest. Yeah. Not and, any of those four. Yeah, no, understandable. I can, I can name the family and stuff, you know, like the... And I can name yeah. the, the, the dude at the gas station. I can't name the four main characters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, his name was uh, Bill Hudley. Bill, yeah, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Such a memorable thing. Um, but, again, I don't feel like he necessarily does a bad job. I feel like he just kind of fits the bill. It's like, we fits need... the bill? <laughs> <laughs> really fits the william <laughs> whoa um <laughs> anyhow um yeah i don't feel like he does a bad job but it's not like one of those things like oh man i'm i'm loving his performance because again he's just kind of the straight man for the most right. part he he kind of has a little bit of bantered with captain spaulding which yeah. we'll definitely talk about later it's just like this nerd who's like trying to write a book and travel the country and he's a little bit more responsible than the folks uh, next to him and his buddies mm -hmm. He was my favorite of the four, to be honest with you. You mean you didn't love Chris Hardwick as Jerry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can think of at least three things he did wrong that got them all killed. <laughs> That's fair. That's definitely fair. Um, I feel like overall with Rain Wilson, I've said most of what I can about it is mm -hmm. like, yeah, he does a fine job. Yeah. Chris, I feel like the Chris himself, Chris Hardwick as Jerry, does the role well but it's yeah. not a great written role if that makes sense oh 100 percent. yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think he acts it well it's just it's one of those like that's mm, like one of those frustrated characters like okay you know yes i i feel like he's just he's that jokester idiot character that right. you see in most horror films but again it's like again just very mm. much a caricature right. of it i think it only gets like a little bit frustrating in this movie because like it's not just, like, one little whoopsie he does. He's just, like, constantly whoopsieing them into the grave. <laughs> like, Yes. <laughs> it would be one mm -hmm. thing if it was, like, oops, I forgot to fill up the tank. My bad. I'm irresponsible. No. But it was, like, three things in a no, row. No, he, just, like, he just kept <laughs> screwing it up. And it's not even, like, one of those things, like, you can have characters that screw up and just yeah, be, yeah. like, not hate them. But this is just genuine, like... Right. In the, in the span yeah. of, like, an hour that we see them mm -hmm. in the beginning, like, three major fuck-ups that happen where i just be like why did i bring this guy on this trip <laughs> like you can walk home no that's it that's exactly <laughs> it i felt like he was definitely uh untrustworthy there mm -hmm. to where i'm just like yeah i would not want to hang around <laughs> right this dude but honestly i guess also 
It's Rain Wilson's fault because he's the one that told him to do these things. And why would you tell Jerry to do things? Why wouldn't you just do them yourself? True. I mean, he, he has to be at fault totally. <laughs> if you um, know that this guy fucks everything up, why do you give him all the mm, important tasks? <laughs> yeah. And so I feel like whenever it comes to um, those characters, they definitely have like the nerdy, quirky dude. And then you have uh, the jokester, irresponsible dude. And then we jump over to uh, Mary Knowles, uh, played by Jennifer Jostin. Which, which one is that? Yeah, yeah, great question. <laughs> See, great question. So I'm pretty sure, um, so she was the one that was the absolute uh, jerkwad, to put it politely. So the Rain one, Wilson's girlfriend? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, the one that was just very hateful all of the time. everything. And to be fair, I understand yeah. a little bit, but sometimes I'm just like, you know you're in this position. Why right. are you still going down this path? Like, right. pump the brakes. Okay, I'm glad that I'm not the only one that thought that because I was like, she's kind of a bitch. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't want to say that out loud and you'd be like, whoa, whoa, hold on. We go everywhere, but we do not call women that. But it's it's true. It's true. Oh, yeah. She is very much unlikable and it's just kind of serving as poking the bear. It'd be one thing if like, okay, once you're in the house with the people that are killing you, you know, you're a bitch. But it's just like from the very start, literally her first lines when she gets woken up, she's just a bitch from the beginning. It's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's her whole entire character mm-hmm. is just being that which is terrible because again it doesn't make you attached doesn't make you want to no. hope for a survival and again i know that's kind of like the fun with some films like you know it's like friday the 13th seeing that one person you don't like die yeah. that's a little gratifying but i didn't feel any like sort of like inkling of it i'm just like right. i just don't even want to see you right exactly like, in this film yeah <laughs> that's exactly it it's like the i don't care thing um, so, and you know, again, I don't feel like it's really the actress's fault. I feel like it's just no, yeah. the way the characters are written exactly. there, um, is very poor, which leads us to our, uh, final girl, uh, Denise Willis played by Aaron Daniels, mm-hmm. which really she's just trying to be polite. Yeah. That I thought she that's about fine it. and she was like likable in the moments you mm-hmm. saw her, but really just, you didn't see her she didn't have like any lines she didn't Mm-mm. Is is a really weird choice for her to like be the one that lasted as long as people lasted you know because it's just like i'm not attached to this person at all yeah but. and and that's and again it's just one of those things that this is none of the actors or actresses fault i feel like this more falls on the script there which it is written by rob zombie mm-hmm. which totally makes sense on why things are written the way they are both character wise and yeah story wise kind of came off as mm-hmm. like someone that doesn't know how to write women like the women yeah. existed as girlfriends to the two mm. dudes who were like head characters <laughs> yeah for sure and um like to his credit this is his first film, but at the same point, he's obviously a big fan of other right. films. And while I can't say that, like, you know, again, relating to Texas States on Massacre, the survivors were, like, ooh, oozing with character. No, yeah. They like, were at least they felt out. a little more defined and unique. Yeah. Kind of more organic, as opposed to, like, more of these characters. Right. Uh, so, again, I, I wish there was more to say, but just they 
did their job. They that, were characters. Yes, for sure. But the, the characters yeah. that were like cooler were all like the bad guys. Well, yeah, and that's a thing. Like I feel like Rob Zombie, and I I honestly believe this is true. He had more fun writing the antagonist right. of the film than he did the protagonist. I specifically, I feel like he that was where it all was generated. He's like, I want to do this film with these bad guys, and they're gonna do these things, and then they're like, Well, I guess I have to put some fucking survivors in there, I guess. And they, you know, and they felt like all the attention was paid to everybody else except for the main characters. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, jumping into this, um, I guess we might as well, since we already talked about the main four, talk about the one name that we've thrown around the most, and that's uh, Captain Spaulding, played mm-hmm. by the late Sid Haig. And um, I gotta be honest, he's my favorite character in the whole movie. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah he is. I mean, there's a reason why you see his face everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he just has that iconic look to him. And like I mentioned, uh, you probably know which face I'm talking about, but this is the face that I kept mm-hmm. seeing there. It's so mesmerizing, it captures your eye there. And so, again, I just feel like he is easily the best character yeah. in the film, hands down, fight me. Right. He's very well written, very well acted. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. uh, he's morally ambiguous. You don't really know, you know, is he a good mm-hmm. guy? Is he a bad guy? You know, it's, and it's just like you know, he he's, he's just like doesn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and I feel like it's just everything about him. Again, this is like this is my favorite part of the film. Anytime he's there, and anytime you're at Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men, like everything about it oozes character. Right. I love that set piece. I love how he sells fried chicken and also has a walkthrough attraction filled with, <laughs> like, basically these murderers right. uh, throughout history. It's just, like, that's the whole... He's the whole reason why, out of the trilogy, like, uh, Rob Zombie's trilogy he has of these films, this one's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And we could talk more about it whenever we get to editing and stuff, but just... Right everything about Captain Spaulding I love. Like, I just feel like his character is so defined, so unique. Mm-hmm. And, again, I feel like it's just a brilliant character for Rob Zombie to write out. But not to mention, Sid Haig is just also killing it. Like, he oh, knows yeah. exactly what it is and eats up every percent of the role. Oh. And, again, I love his moral ambiguity because, mm-hmm. again, he's, like, chummy with the main group whenever they show up. And, um... Then at points, he just gets dead serious. Right. Looks like he's about to, like, go off on them. But then he just bounces back. Yeah. It's, like, very, like, a bipolar sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I just, again, I can't get enough of it whatsoever. Bipolar's a good way to put it. Because I feel like I was thinking about how you could easily describe him as unhinged. Mm-hmm. He's definitely unhinged. But then you can mm-hmm. also easily describe him as, like, very down-to-earth, like, connected. Yeah. Because he's also just, like... Yeah, I'll level with you. You know, like he's like he was one of those guys. But so it's like, okay, like which is he? He seems like he seems both incredibly stable and knows exactly what he's doing, and he's also just off his fucking rocker at yeah. the same time. Well, it's crazy too because that opening scene, um, it, I mean, aside from like this weird intro they have focusing on Doctor Wolfenstein, I believe it yeah, is. Yeah. There, um, it opens with one of his commercials promoting his fried chicken and his business joint. And again, it focuses on him, which is mm-hmm. so interesting because the main four characters don't come till like after um, there's like that big scene with Captain Spaulding, which right. I absolutely love. Yeah. Again, I, yeah. I felt like that was probably the best way 
to uh, introduce a film because again, the first time I watched it, I was hooked immediately. Mm-hmm. Second time watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, this yeah. is this even is better. Part. This yeah. is even better. Um, and I, I love the way that they portray it. And again, like maybe we could talk a little bit more about it. But again, I feel like the way they introduce his character, they never definitively show what side he's really on. Like whether he's malevolent or just, again, down-to-earth dude, like you mentioned there. It's just this big back-and-forth motion, which I think, again, makes him such a compelling character that every time he popped on screen, I'm just like, yes, yes, more Captain Smalling, please. (laughs) So, and again, he's probably one of my favorite horror icons because of it. It's just kind of uh, unfortunate that the rest of the film isn't really focused on him too much there. Right. Which, again, it's, it's not that everybody else sucks in comparison to him, but to do <laughs> a little yeah, bit i mean he's the he's the only one that really knocks it out of the park yeah. yeah i feel so but i mean and to the other credits there are other interesting individuals oh, that yeah. i feel like in this film uh without spoiling too much they become more defined in the sequel mm-hmm. meanwhile i feel like captain spaulding's one that was just hit out of the park first try right there there are a couple others that are at a really high bar but i, yeah, I would agree that that captain spaulding's at the highest yeah 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 so it just makes me super disappointed because um whenever i watched this film back in 2019 i'm like oh my gosh i i would love to meet sid haig and then a couple months later he passed away at age 80 oh, so wow. it was just one of those things that i'm like bummed out i wasn't able to meet him because i also heard he was like i i feel like this is very true with people that play these kind of characters but i've heard he was a very nice down-to-earth dude like yeah. genuinely easygoing apparently he had like a rough career because he had acted at an early age mm-hmm. then kind of had a falling out with hollywood and rob zombie is the one that kind of reintroduced him back into the spotlight and i'm glad he did because like i said this is just absolutely the number one reason why you should watch this movie i i'm going to spoil that ahead of time that if you're wanting to see a great character this is one of them there in horror history um so let's 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 stop uh praising uh captain spaulding as much as i want to and try to get to all the other characters there i feel like we should talk about the uh, said hitchhiker which is a baby played by uh, Sherry Moon, who's mm-hmm. actually the wife of Rob Zombie. Mm. And um, her character is very interesting because she balances the line of being so annoying, mm-hmm. but yet so captivating at the same time. Oh, no, yeah. this is. I was going to say when we got to her that sh- that this is how you write an annoying character. She's, mm-hmm. she's very like Harley Quinn-ish, where you're just yes. like, shut the fuck up, but I also keep talking. <laughs> yes, that's, that's the perfect thing. Because again, it's like one of those things that you would like, anytime like a character is supposed to be annoying, chances are it's usually done bad and you're yeah. like, this is just yeah. terrible. But there's something about Sherry Moon's performance and apparently... This was her first debut role. Really? She had never acted like in any other film. This mm-hmm. was the first thing. And I think she also, even though Sid Haig like, killed his role, she also does a really good job. Because, again, she kind of goes off at the beginning kind of being like more ditzy, like, haha, you know, sort mm-hmm. of silly thing. But as it continues on, she really manages to turn up the uh, menacing mode. Yeah. So I feel like that was very well done on Sherry Moon's part there, which I know we could talk kind of a little bit more into spoilers since I know kind of after they pick her up, that's where things are starting to unravel, spin out of control there. But 
I feel like she does a very good job there and really kind of screws with them, uh, both physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. Which, again, I feel like, um, again, it's just Rob Zombie, I think, as you mentioned, had these ideas for these characters and was able to perfectly put it down on pen and paper there. And, you know, again, I think he kind of struggled on how do I write a film about these there. So then he kind of had to come up with four individuals to kind of go throughout the story Mm -hmm. and be our vehicle for experiencing this whole crew of uh, not normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm guessing you're going to hold off on other stuff she does till spoilers I so. there. I yeah. just say she's like her, a lot of her character can be boiled down to like crazy sexy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I, again, the I sort think, of scary middle that meets. <laughs> I think I think that's definitely kind of like a good thing as as well, just to kind of have that sexual allure because it also proves to be even more dangerous because it's also it it surprised me she's probably the best written female character in this movie and it's because and and she's also the most sexualized but it's Mm -hmm. not like because i mean there's a lot of it's a horror movie there's a lot of tits and stuff in it but you know a lot of it's like the sexualization is happening like the woman does not have the agency you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's just like we're looking at a naked cheerleader here or whatever you know what Mm -hmm. i mean but she's the one that, like, controls her sexuality, and she's in control in, like, every scene she's in. Mm-hmm. Unless another member of the family's in control, but, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, understandable. And I'm like, that's how you write, like, a sexualized character mm-hmm. that's not just, like, look at my tits. She's, yeah. like, that's, like, part of her personality, and it's, like, a well-rounded, uh, fleshed-out one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's actually funny, because uh, freshening up on the history of this film, apparently there was even... A lot more stuff Rob Zombie wanted to throw in that was very overly sexualized. Like, mm-hmm. again, you only... Because that's the thing we'll talk about with this film. Uh, Editing-wise, it doesn't tell the story straight lights. It definitely throws a lot of crazy imagery your oh, way. It's pretty artistic and, in a way, yeah. Mm, no, definitely, for sure. And um, one of the scenes is, like, her with a skeleton, and she got uh, down and dirty with it <laughs> to the point of using the skeletal hand to... Uh, get boned. <laughs> yes, 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 get boned. That's a, that's a perfect way to describe it there. Uh, but they cut it out because Universal's like, no, we're, we're not putting this in. And apparently, like, Universal gave uh, Rob Zombie all sorts of heck trying to create this film. I believe it. Um, and Rob Zombie's relationship overall with Universal is pretty mixed because it's like one of those things is like oh, we don't really want to make this film because he filmed it like early early on but it wasn't released till 2003 i think he started filming in 2001 to say and it took him forever to try to get him to release this movie mm. and then once it became like a cult hit of course now universal's like pumping out the merchandise mm-hmm. and right. licensing <laughs> um <was> all us. <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> studios win again um, boy do it all right all the time <laughs> oh yeah um but yeah uh sherry moon again can't say nothing else it's like that thing where her character gets on my head but again Mm. i think she's a perfect addition and i feel like i want to see more of what she does yeah she's great um yeah and trying to go down to somebody who's definitely uh not as uh fun (laughs) loving is uh otis played by bill mosley which again Mm -hmm. we talked about and uh his character is definitely <laughs> kind of uh, no jokes about it, just mm-hmm. pure 
hatred and anger i feel like seeping off yeah. this character it's like I mean, he's interesting too because he's got and this is the other one that i put at the same bar mm-hmm. as, as sherry moon character but just like yeah he's he's like um you know he's not as fun but he's really interesting he's mm-hmm. philosophical he's got motivations he's, mm-hmm. he's you know he's passionate about what he does <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> and he's uh He's, he's the one that kind of holds things together and gets shits done in a way. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely interesting to see that way because um, whenever we watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which will be sometime in the future, mm-hmm. still trying to work out the schedule there, it's interesting to see his performance in that film uh, versus this film because, again, even though, like, Rom Zombie you know, is clearly having an inspiration to theme this sort of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. His character in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and this character, drastically different. Oh, wow. Okay. There. Um, And so it was very interesting to kind of compare between the two because, again, he's very much dead serious. Sometimes throws, like, a little bit of a joke, but it's not, like, the level of baby Mm -hmm. where it's just kind of more, like, goofy fun. Mr. J? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, because I feel like, again, it's just easy to make everybody super jovial, because, mm-hmm. again, for the most part, these people that are psychotic, you know, again, you kind of get warm, like, opened up to them either being super bubbly or deadpan straight serious, and I feel that the character Otis is really good in this film. I feel like his peak character is in The Devil's Rejects, which maybe we'll watch that in a future film. I feel like that. And so maybe, like, coming back to watching this film has kind of tampered it a bit there. Um, But again, it still hits the high bar there. He's very much an intimidating force there. And um, even, like, straight from the get-go, whenever he uh, meets up with the group there, uh, he's pretty much straight-laced, straightforward to the point Mm -hmm. there. And again, like, as the film continues on, it's just, again it just starts to become even more concentrated there. Right. So He's super, I'm, like, punk revolutionary, too. Very much so. I mean, he wears pretty much a t-shirt that says, Burn, Burn this flag. flag. I want that shirt. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah, and so I feel like it's definitely kind of interesting. And again, it's very interesting to see this sort of antagonist here that, again, has definitely more, like you said, more of a philosophical base on why he does what he does. It's not, like, just one of those things he's like, I don't know, I'm just bored. Right. I'm a crazy guy that or kills he's people, a, you know? Yeah, you know, I feel like it's not just, I want to kill people. It's just, like, I want to kill people because... Mm-hmm. I want to send a message. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I feel like he's definitely a great character again to have in this film because he's kind of the orchestrator of stuff i feel like he's kind of the person able to call shots and do what needs to be done whereas the rest of the people again are just kind of having their own uh goals and aspirations in mind um and so i feel like overall bill mosley again very much a menacing character and Mm -hmm. he does the character very very well and so we'll uh probably talk about another character because yeah. i feel like the more we talk about it the more we'll be showing the spoiler cards yeah turn through them yeah, yeah, yeah. um so probably the other character we should talk about is uh mother firefly played by karen mm-hmm. black and again it's so funny because looking at a character from a distance you wouldn't view it as kind of uh menacing you feel like she is like that um real housewives sort of like <laughs> mom there just again just kind of not really the idea of like a 
person you'd find in a horror film. And that's some sort of murder matriarch. Yeah, and she is very much uh, a sexual deviant of sorts. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely kind of true of that. And again, kind of gets to the character's mind there. But again, she's kind of more toned down, I would say, compared to the rest there. But still has pretty uh, uh, uncouth intentions. Oh, yeah, you know, she's not afraid to get her hands dirty in one way or another. Oh, that's a good one. That was was a great line. Slap that on the episode. (laughs) Do that. But I feel like um, overall, her character definitely does a good job there. But again, it's kind of hard, I think, for most other characters to be in the spotlight without like having the ones that clearly are stealing the show even right. though they're not intending to but even though she mm-hmm. like wasn't in the spotlight just the scene she was in mm-hmm. the interaction she had is like yeah it was really telling of a, of a good character even though you know they don't have to be mm-hmm. in it the whole time to be a nice little supporting character of like i'm the sweet georgian kind of mother or whatever she was and yeah just yeah I think that's definitely true of her, and um, I wish I could say more about her, but again, I feel like she just serves her purpose, for the most part, kind of ducks out of the film, and then comes back again. She's like the multiverse Dolly Parton, where Dolly Parton's actually evil. Dude, that's a perfect way to describe her! (laughs) Holy smokes! The upside-down Dolly Parton. Exactly. (laughs) That is, I, I think... Okay, forget what I said, just I'm going to splice in Aaron describing that and it's just going to sound unnatural the way I describe her. <laughs> um, and kind of going through the rest of the family, we also have uh, Grandpa Hugo, played by Dennis Philpoll, who uh, the film was dedicated to because oh. he passed away while they were trying to release the film. Mm-hmm. He passed away in 2002 and the film came out 2003. Um, and he... His character was kind of interesting because I think, like, again, like, we were pretty quiet throughout most of the film, but I think, like, between him and Captain Spaulding, they were the only ones where you got, like, the laughs out of him. He was dumb. He was just <laughs> fucking dumb. He'd say some shit and that you, was dumb. You didn't like his stand-up routine? No. <laughs> I, I couldn't really grasp what he was going for in the beginning, but the whole routine was about eating your mom's pussy. <laughs> So you're laughing now. You get it. Uh, uh, I'm like the opposite of Meatwad now. You know, like I, I'm laughing, but I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um. I feel like his character doesn't have too much going on. Just again, just kind of, of the, adding to the craziness. He was probably the weakest link in the family for me, honestly. But. So I would have to died, agree. But... <laughs> I, I, I would I would have to agree. And I don't feel like, again, it's any fault of his own. No. I feel like he performs the performance given. I feel like it's just Rob Zombie had more fun writing for other characters right. as opposed to uh, everyone. So, um, yep. So, no, no diss. You did what you're doing. It's no fault on you. I felt like what he was given, he did it all, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, so. he performed it well. Yeah, and so last uh, of the... F- well, actually, there's two more. I know. We, there's I a, there's so. a big old family. It's a big, um, happy let's family. T- yeah, I know. We have to drive through everything. So uh, we might as well talk about uh, Matthew McGrory's character, Tiny. Which, oh, yeah. Tiny's a fun character. I like Tiny. Um, I really like it. Um, and there's one thing that happens later I think we could talk about in the spoilers that's just like a defining character moment. Again, mm-hmm. it's like... 
he's not given much, but just that one exactly. thing says everything about him, which I think is very well done on Rob Zombie's part, writing it the way mm-hmm. he did. But... I wish he could have written the main characters that way. But yes, you know, <laughs> yes, because that yeah, it's re- it is really telling that they give Tiny like one little mm-hmm. nugget, like one little scene, and you're like, I know this character, and it's a different character, and it's a unique one, mm-hmm. and it's cool. You know? Yeah, and it was funny because whenever I watched it, I'm like, I know I've seen this character somewhere, and uh, Matthew was in the movie Big Fish, you know, directed by Tim Burton. He was Carl the Giant. Oh, yeah, because. Uh, it's hard to miss him whenever he's seven feet and six inches tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't look like some dude on stilts. It looked like a guy that was actually really tall. Yeah, and I feel like, again, does a great job. He's given no speaking lines, but again, it's just the physicality of his performance and mm-hmm. what he's written as his character just works out good. Yeah. So I know they tried to build up his character a bit on like why he wears a mask, which mm-hmm. I felt like was fine i don't think it added that much to yeah, it yeah. but he didn't need it like whether you know the backstory or not there's one moment we'll talk about later that i feel like is like yep that's tiny that's tiny thank you rob zombie you have summed up everything right um but we should also talk about this another quiet role uh rufus played by robert allen mukes mm-hmm. who's the serves as the mechanic right and again there's not much to say he's just quiet mm-hmm. doing his job doesn't really show how crazy he is. Right, it really took me a while. It took, like, a few scenes that he was in for me to realize that he was a different character from, like, the other brother. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, th- oh this is a character. Like, it wasn't... Because, like, in the first scene, he has, like, a bear hat on. You yeah, know I mean? like a skin, skinned like a, bear yeah. cowl or something like that. Yeah, I didn't realize until the part where he's like, car's done, that I was like, oh, that's a different guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, again, don't feel like it's the actor's fault. I just feel like... There wasn't much left for him on the script to run away with, but really he just lines. serves his purpose. But I feel like overall, those are kind of the most of the main characters you see throughout this film. We could yeah. talk about like the dad, the sheriff and everything else, but right. I feel like that's just kind of diving into every little tiny role. And I at least wanted to get to the main group and the family that they meet later on. For sure. Um, So definitely a diverse group of uh, characters. I suppose to some films where it's like, yeah, it's pretty much just one character that's more defined than the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely nice for a different change of pace there. I think one thing I definitely want to talk about that I feel like I'll definitely have more to say than other stuff is the editing of this film. Yeah. I feel someone described it best. I think it was James Rolfe mentioned this in his review of House of a Thousand Corpses. He says he feels like the movie was filmed like a music video in a lot of parts. Yeah. Um, which I think is true and makes sense because Rob Zombie has made a lot of music videos for mm. his music there. And while I feel there were certain sections that were very well done, effective, and kind of help add to the overall tone and atmosphere, there was definitely some that took me way out of the film. Like, they just went so far with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe shots went on for too long. They had too many shots flowing in. Because right. with how the movie is, for those that don't know, it'll tell the story. Then all of a sudden, it'll throw in these, like, very distorted, kind of handheld recorded lines of the different characters doing something else that's mm-hmm. not coherent with what's currently going on. It's kind of like flashbacks in a yeah, sense i guess yeah. it just feels like a random montage of stuff and there's heavy filters used and they have that reverse effect where light is dark dark is light and it's multicolors. and i feel like while 
it helps add an artistic feel to the film. I feel like it goes a little bit too heavy handed with it at a lot of points there. Yeah. But I also feel like if he didn't do it enough and might not become quite as distinct as it currently is. Right. It's so hard to find that line, especially whenever you have to like determine a lot of those things yeah. beforehand. Cause that's how scenes transition sometimes. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I do. I do think it was a little much in parts, but overall I did really like the effect. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think, um, I think it was done well most of the time, but I, yeah, I completely agree. There are times where it went on too long or it mm-hmm. was in a weird spot or something. And I was like, okay. yeah. And I could probably talk more about it in spoilers, but that was one thing I wanted to get right out of the gate is editing wise. I feel like, it has a heavy nodule from like, oh, well done to, uh, you could have just played that straight, you know, right. not jumbled it up as much as I, you did. I do like, yeah, there, I do think there are certain scenes where it works really well because it gives you like the context for what's happening without having to be like, here's a bunch of exposition. Uh, oh, actually on the haunted hill of Boopoo Land or whatever. <laughs> this happened 20 years. It just gives you a little like five seconds while the scene's happening. This shit, okay. Now mm-hmm. you have the context. You don't need, we don't need to explain this. We don't need to make up some bullshit dialogue. You know? No, I, I think that's definitely a fair point and uh one of the other things that plays into the editing is rob zombie's music in the film which again i feel like i i believe he wrote the songs for this film if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. um and i feel like again it just matches the tone perfectly of it it's just like anytime i hear it i think of this film i just feel like it just matches the tone perfectly there so that's a another kind of thumbs up there mm-hmm. um aside from all that stuff i splurged out was there any other points we wanted to hit before hitting spoilers yeah, yeah. in addition to editing i think just like scenes and environments that they're in are really compelling too mm-hmm. um whether that's the the gasoline crazy shop or whatever at the beginning with yeah. uh, dr spaulding captain spaulding sorry i promoted him yeah um <laughs> uh or or you know i i feel like the house was more or less you know i I feel like maybe he was trying to go for that iconic like Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. house. I don't think it quite hit that. But there mm-hmm. but there are several different other areas that they go to where it's just like, wow, this is like a really nice scene. And I think the only fault is that like they don't stay there for very long. Mm-hmm. But like when you're there, it's like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's definitely a fair point to talk about the setting. Again, I feel mm-hmm. like Doc... See, now I'm calling him Dr. Spaulding. I'm promoting him too. Uh, Captain Spaulding's uh, gas station he has. I feel like just that whole environment, I just love the way it was done from like the dreary kind of Western looking storefront there with all like the weird oddities there Mm -hmm. and everything else. I mean, even down to like the fried chicken bags to where it's basically just these brown paper bags with like his face scribbled on there with crayon. (laughs) Like... And you go from that to the Museum of Monsters and Mad Men, and I just love the way it looks. The mm-hmm. lights, everything popping up, the way they did, like, the crappy animatronics there. Like, the whole place. Like, if that was a legitimate place they built, I would want to take a road trip just down there to visit it. Oh, yeah. Um, so I feel like, again, kind of another point for Captain Spaulding. I feel like this is just such an imaginative setting there. And while I, I think, like, the inside of the house is pretty hit or miss i feel like some places are kind of cool like i loved how one of the rooms had like creature from the black lagoon plastered on the side of the wall there Mm -hmm. and there's other like settings like that one place that almost looks like a circus top there Mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of interesting rooms and stuff to look at but i definitely i feel like 
you know, again, you don't look at the outside of the house and it doesn't have that same foreboding feeling like Texas Chainsaw manages right. to do. So, And I do feel like they kind of tried to hampus that feeling in a little mm-hmm. bit with all the like baby doll heads and stuff that yeah <laughs> yeah just all the weird stuff and like the shoes they definitely yeah. i feel like he did again took homage from uh texas chainsaw massacre to throw it into his house and while i think it does make it look interesting and i do love how they have like everything decorated because it takes place around halloween um, like having those paper pumpkins and yeah. skulls. Like I, I do like how they did that right. there. So I feel like, again, I feel like it's interesting to kind of talk about a settings again, because typically most horror settings are kind of hit or miss with the setting. It's either like, it's what you expect it to be or it's a just... neighborhood in the Northeast. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, uh, with palm trees. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like that's interesting. And later on in the film, their set pieces just get bigger and bigger with which we can uh talk about um man there was another point i was going to mention i kind of mentioned setting oh that's what it was one thing i will say that's very interesting about this film is seeing um the other characters outside of the main four actually have costume changes Mm -hmm. it's interesting to kind of see the characters outside of the main four kind of go through costume changes because typically you don't see that i mean it's just like the killer wears the one iconic suit there and while it's like nice to see captain balding you know in his full like clown outfit there um i love how they explain why he's not wearing it later on right right uh but also just like his shirts he has like you know it's like (laughs) it's like on the back of the shirt with a hot dog on the front (laughs) that says like if I'd want to listen to an asshole, I fart. <laughs> like, just stuff like that is goofy. And same with, like, Baby and Otis. Like, you see them go through these costume changes. Even Tiny goes through a costume does, change. And I kind of really like that. I like yeah. how Rob made the conscientious decision to have them changing costumes all throughout the film there. Right. Um, so I feel like that's also one of the best things is the wardrobe department. Just Mm -hmm. again, being able to give baby all these different outfits, same with Otis and same with tiny, same with captain Spaulding, that they're all wearing different clothes. They're not just wearing the one same thing every single time. So that's one thing I definitely wanted to applaud Rob zombie about. Not that there's anything wrong with people wearing the same outfit, but it's kind of like a nice change of pace just to see the wardrobe department really, be at it they're kind of changing everything up yeah, specifically more natural you know what i mean because they're going yeah. through multiple days presumably i guess so yeah. yeah and it totally makes sense like you know probably wouldn't wear the same thing there but no that was one thing that i kind of noticed more the second time round like obviously i remember it the first time but it just hit me the second time like Wow, that's actually cool. They're changing outfits, right? And it's you know, it's not just regular folks changing outfits. You know, they they're they're weird, kooky people, so they have weird, interesting. Oh yeah, it's like crazy. Yeah. And again, you're talking about baby being kind of like that crazy, sexualized kind of character there, but not in the way that she has no character. She uses the sexuality as her character because right. again, that's kind of like her lure for <laughs> most people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, heck, like one of the scenes she's wearing assless chaps. I was about to say, yeah. yeah. That's like her, her Halloween costume or whatever. Yeah, because it's on Halloween that you see it. So, <laughs> again, there's just so much I like about the film stylistically, even if kind of uh, story-wise it's uh, lacking thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad I remember that bullet point there. Uh, was that the last bullet point you wanted to talk about? Any other yeah. stuff before kind of mentioning it? 
No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, just we talked about editing, characters, yeah. scenes. I, I feel like we've been able to dissect a lot in this film, which is kind of interesting, but also kind of dismaying that we'll probably talk about the stuff that we weren't too fond of later in spoilers mm-hmm. there. So before I begin to all those spoilers, Aaron, yeah. what you gonna rate House of a Thousand Corpses? Uh, I rate it one thousand. All right, that's a that's a really good sword. That, one that, for each that, corpse. Uh-oh. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> out of ten, I would give this a six. Man, um, that that that's uh, oddly higher than what I was expecting there no, specifically. Honestly, um, really watching the movie like all the way till probably about the halfway mark, I was like, I'm excited to give this movie like an eight. Like this mm-hmm. is great, you know. Captain Spaulding was awesome. I see where the story's going now, and it kind of takes some hooks and turns. You know what I mean? And like, uh, like this is cool. I wish they developed the main characters a little bit. When you know, I had a lot, I had some criticisms from the get go. I was like, the editing's cool, music's cool. It's great. And then, yeah, like L plus ratio plus you fell off. You know what I mean? Like the plot just... Um, and it really kind of is the anchor that uh, sinks the sinks sort of my score there down to a six. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there because the things that we're talking about that were not good, yeah, really became not good. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the... Yeah, the, I feel like the way the film was edited, how it was handled, the costumes, the wardrobes, these the, the characters that are the family, and even the side characters like uh, Captain Spaulding are just... Um, just phenomenal um mm-hmm. i thought the music was appropriate and good you know so like i feel like a lot of the things that did good were just like really really good especially by like horror movie standards mm-hmm. um but yeah so like yeah i'm not i'm not one that says a film needs a plot i've watched my fair of art house films yeah. but um this one needed something to drive the audience for yes to care beyond a certain point and it didn't have that and mm-hmm. it really really tanked the score for me but still overall a good experience there's definitely things that you should watch this movie for so i give it a six yeah i i, I think that's more than fair because i gotta be honest i you you're ever in a situation where you show like a friend a film specifically you're like oh man i, I can't wait to watch this mm-hmm. and it's like dead silent throughout the entire <laughs> viewing and you're like did I just, like, am I putting Aaron through misery, right? <laughs> I honestly was, like, starting to feel bad because no. you you were so dead quiet. And, again, I'm not going to, like, look over and be like, y- you okay? But it was, like, one of those things that, like... I had a sleeping cat on my lap. I couldn't wake him up. No, understandable. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, I'm, I'm definitely glad to hear that it's much higher than what I was anticipating you were going to give it. Yeah. Um, and don't feel bad about criticizing it because apparently Rob Zombie is also not a big fan of this film. Really? I, I think, it's especially on his end, and that he's grown as a director mm-hmm. because he's directed a lot more films and stuff, he's like, there's a lot of flaws I see in this film. So every time I see it, all I see are the flaws. Right. Which I think every artist kind of goes through that oh, yeah. where it's hard for them to appreciate the good stuff whenever the flaws stick out like sore thumbs. Mm-hmm. But. I'm honestly with you, dude, because I went through the same thing also because my initial rating of the film, first time watching it, was also a six. Ah. And watching it again, I was watching the beginning. I'm like, oh, man, I I think now that I've seen it before Mm -hmm. and I know what turns and twists are coming specifically, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this film is probably going to be higher than a six there for sure. And then the low points ended up being lower than expected. Mm-hmm. And it kind of bumped its way. It was, Again, because it was going like seven, 
yeah, you know, like again, knowing what's ahead, I was like, oh yeah, I could push this up to a seven there, but I can't in good conscience place it there. I feel <laughs> yeah. like that's just overly praising the film. And while I think the style of the film is like nearly a ten out of ten, yeah, nearly. There's just it's not like The Shining where it has so many other stuff to pull you in other than style. Mm-hmm. With this film, it the the low points are really low and hard to sit through and i felt like i was there a thousand years during the lowest point so if if i was being cute i would maybe maybe and this is being super generous give it a 6.6 because you know dr satan haha you know dr (laughs) (laughs) 6.66 repeating of course um six and two-thirds if you will um but I don't know. I I think, in all honesty, I have to be with you and also rate it as a six because I feel like as much as I want to give it a seven, it's... I feel like I'm just more than likely going to watch YouTube clips if I really want to revisit or Mm. cut a certain scenes. And again, we'll kind of talk more about it in spoilers, but I'm with you. I think I'm going to have to share kind of that same score. Again, if I'm being cute, maybe six and a half. Mm -hmm. But even then, I feel like... I feel like I, as much as I want to give it a higher score, I just can't. I, mm. I, I can't. There's too many things that hold it back for me. You ever watch the Great British Baking Show? Uh, a couple of episodes, yeah. Baps. Baps. <laughs> no, there's a there's a part where the one of the I can't remember if it's Prue. I think it's Prue, where she says uh, she one of her biggest criticisms is uh, all style and no substance. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is. It's like whenever you eat one of those fondant cakes that are just like, wow, this looks like a perfect recreation of, like, you know, my butthole or whatever. (laughs) But it does not taste good. Just like my real butthole. (laughs) So that's what this is. Mm -hmm. All style, no substance. After a certain point, it's just like, yeah, okay, you're doing cool. This is a cool scene or whatever. But, like, what's the point? I mean, to be fair... There is like some substance. It's like if you the took if up until the halfway point. I yeah, <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I agree. It's like you have a cupcake, and then a barrel full of icing. You just drop on <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. I would say like there's definitely some good nuggets there, mm-hmm. as uh, Kevin Hart says, "Nuggets of truth." I think <laughs> in his uh, book, which is uh, pretty entertaining. In his book, Nugget of Truth. Yeah. <laughs> Living as a 5'4 individual. <laughs> <laughs> I have to look up the name of the book now. <laughs> yeah, what's Kevin Tart's book? Yeah, yeah. Plug, plug, it. plug, plug it in. Uh, be sure to send a check over to my house, Kevin Hart. You um, know the address. Yes, his, his book is, um, I think... The decision. That's oh. that's the name of it. There, um, it's a it's pretty enjoyable. Like I said, if you like Kevin Hart, I like Kevin Hart. I think he was he was kind of blown up a little bit too big for his actual comedy chops. Maybe that's a hot take. No, I, I that's like fair. Some people are like, oh my god, he's the funniest person ever. He's pretty funny. Like he, he's he's a pretty funny dude. He's, yes. he's really good in some roles. But like he didn't. How did he become like the world's biggest comedian all of a sudden, and then and then fell off? I don't I don't think he needed that roller coaster. We could have kept him at a decent line. <laughs> I he, felt like there's like a Nick Fury for comedian stars. <laughs> I'm assembling a team of comedians to be in a slew of comedy movies for at least a decade or two. It, it really depends on the context Kevin Hart's in. 
But I feel like overall, I'd give his career like a 7.5. That's sweet. fair. Yeah. That's fair. But anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just realized I derailed it in and we're just going down further. Give me Kevin. something else to rate. No. Yes, yes, yes. I'll rate <laughs> The Rock. He's a zero. <laughs> Holy smokes. We're going to get cut. Someone say my name. <laughs> oh, oh, it's The Rock. rock. <laughs> He's the world's highest paid actor. How can I not love The Rock? Everybody loves The Rock. Everyone loves The Rock. Please don't hurt us, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> I love your energy drink, so I, I drink Dwayne. it religiously. Have you ever seen Dwayne Johnson and The Rock in the same room? No. Conspiracy. Absolute conspiracy. <laughs> uh, speaking, <laughs> speaking of conspiracies, how about we talk about the Dr. Satan conspiracy, which the group is trying to see uh, whether he's real or not. Yeah, and the... so with that ahead, we're going to jump to spoilers, just as a cliff note there. Uh, this is your time to get out. Get, 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 you know, park, park the car and just go home. Yeah. Leave the podcast running. <laughs> yes, yes. Leave it running so we can get that view count yeah, up. Put it on the loop. Um, and, uh, just abandon your vehicle on the freeway. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Aaron, how's about you talk about uh, the thing you want to talk about most in spoiler territory? What thing do I want to talk about most? I don't know. What do you want oh, okay. to talk about I most? You had something in mind no, no, I, I don't. Talk about I, I feel like I've taken that opportunity from you. Like, let's talk about this. I want to talk about what I, I've already forgotten his name. The annoying guy that's not Ryan Wilson. Um, <laughs> uh, Chris Hardwick's character. Yeah. We don't uh, even know his character's name. I, dude, Bill. I I literally looked at the IMDb Bill's page. The other one. I I looked at his IMDb George. page. George No, it's Jerry. 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 Um, <laughs> let's talk about let's, how how many times he fucked up. All right, first fuck up. Okay, he was supposed to fill the tank with gas. While they were on the road, but for some reason he only filled it up with three dollars of gas whenever they stopped at the last gas hey, station. Hey, he's not made of money. That's that was his excuse. <laughs> so they have to pull over at uh, Doctor Strange's gas and chicken joint. Um, I'm gonna have to Photoshop that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fuck up number one. Is they have to they have to pull over there. Uh, fuck up number two is he asks the dude for directions to the haunted hill or whatever the fuck that apparently they he's trying to solve the mystery of um captain body parts or whatever his name is dr satan that's it and he's got a you know the oh, let's even though we're already late to go to see this girl's dad and she had to call already to tell him we were late let's take a side trip in the middle of the rain because i'm a fucking idiot <laughs> Um, in the middle of nowhere, whenever we just were already in it. And then fuck up number three is whenever they pop a tire, he was supposed to fill up the spare, apparently. And Rain Wilson's like, oh, well, good thing you filled up that spare because I asked you to do that. And he's like, oh, what if I didn't put it back in the car because I'm a big fucking idiot? And he didn't, so they had to have it towed to that house. Just saying. He got them all killed. It's literally all his fault. And I wish it was just a movie of him getting tortured. And dying. That, that the bitch lady can can die too, but not, um, I don't want her to be tortured. She could just die. I wish she just got knifed in that one scene with Harley Quinn. Whatever her name is. <laughs> baby, baby. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, you're not wrong. It's mm-hmm. definitely, it's definitely kind of one of those situations to where I feel like, um, in comparison to. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. I feel like the way they ended up getting to that house is a lot more natural and less 
force because again they're not even going to that house directly they're going to a house that's close by mm-hmm. there specifically and whenever it comes right. to them picking up the hitchhiker they're just like you you know get rid of that in texas chainsaw massacre yeah yes. texas chainsaw massacre yes. that's what i'm talking about right, i right, feel right. like the way they end up at the sawyer household is way more believable and natural 100 uh there than the way they do here but i feel like it's only because they have to have one person screwing up horribly yeah there over specifically it seems yeah it seems real railroaded there you but. know because it's like again it's one of those things you know forgets gas pulls over I, I feel like it's literally baseball with them because right. you know forgets gas pulls over to gas station okay well at least they have like a cool sideshow attraction yeah. and captain spaulding seems like a very weird but fun dude kind of has like a nifty sideshow thing uh he decides he wants to find dr sajin which even captain spaulding's like why yeah. why why are you going? Even Kevin Spaulding's like, don't go there. <laughs> yeah. It's nothing to see. Like it was, it would be one thing if he was like, don't go there. It's haunted or whatever. He was like, no, this is shit. Like you're you're wasting your time. And he's like, no, it's already eleven p.m. or whatever. <laughs> and no, we gotta go because we are on a road trip on a deadline. And but I don't care about women, so I'm gonna we're gonna go there anyway. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, no, he just is like, fine. Here's the directions just go i'm I'm already tired of you all <laughs> um and he pushes them out and then they pull over they see sherry uh moon's character baby in the rain and of course they're like yeah let's pick her up you know it's pouring down rain uh-huh. and you know um uh, again pretty much believable also even though because everyone's like saying this is such a stupid idea why are we going to see dr satan yeah. which is why they ran into a uh, baby on the road but like okay fine it was on the way there pick up baby whatever and then we're gonna drop we're gonna be good samaritans and drop her close to her home because it's pouring rain outside right um and then three because of the way that they're going and rj uh shoots the tire yeah they're they're now kind of stuck in this situation because they just didn't have a tire to be like oh let's just fix it up there so i definitely feel it's more railroaded yeah as opposed to texas chainsaw which feels more organic like right. it feels like they just naturally happen to explore the next house over right it's one of those things where it's like oh like i accidentally stepped into hell you know what i mean yeah and this one it's like i was specifically looking for hell and also i accidentally got railroaded there you know what I yeah mean? and dragged like, everyone else with me exactly <laughs> yeah so i can understand why you're not the biggest fan of the classic character jerry He's I I didn't even like dislike him. There were parts where I like liked him. You know what I mean? Especially like when he's flirting with like the you know mama fly. Yeah, or yeah. Whatever. Yep, you got it down basically. Uh, yeah, she like I would like those parts were funny to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I you know he seemed like he had a healthier relationship with his girlfriend than Bill did. You know? <laughs> yes, definitely healthier. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was just like moments. It's like okay, I can understand like the like the gas fuck up and that's why they started there and then maybe bill could be the one that was like oh i really want to do this for my book or something and then maybe mm-hmm. one of the women is like oh we should we gotta pick her up it's a poor girl on the side you know mm-hmm. if they just spread out the blame between not just one character it would be i would like him a lot more but... yeah i think it'd definitely be kind of a lot more believable if everyone took their turn to make terrible decisions right. <laughs> as opposed to it falling on the one jack wagon in the group exactly um but yeah i definitely uh agree it's definitely kind of egregious how moronic the character can be with his decision making 
Um, but I mean, I know it's like, oh, if he did, then it would be a film. I get that, but it's still like I felt like right. maybe it could have done done a little bit better. Exactly. There are other ways mm-hmm. you can get him there that would be more natural. But... No, for sure. And uh, one thing about the film uh, that definitely kind of throws me through a loop, aside from the middle to end, mm-hmm. uh, is the fact that with the characters, once they get inside, you don't really know what's gonna happen like next they have like these crazy transitions because mm-hmm. again first it's like you know they go in and again i feel like they kind of antagonize the family a little bit there oh yeah there's especially with the uh less than friendly girlfriend who's yeah. like uh we don't celebrate halloween that's for kitties and the family yeah. clearly loves halloween and then she refuses to put on a mask and like makes everybody else not put on their mask when that's the thing they're doing and they're and they're feeding her you know yeah they hadn't done anything weird at this point like they're weird they're weird people yeah. obviously but they hadn't done anything like to antagonize mm-hmm. them yet but yeah i guess i i feel like the final straw that just really kind of I mean, I feel like they were screwed anyways, but the mm-hmm. thing that sealed their fate is whenever they have, like, that talent show they put on with Grandpa Hugo's crazy bits. Which is wild. And that's actually one of the moments that I liked Jerry, because he's just, like, like there, and then on, the, like, the murder ride or whatever, he's just like, yeah, I love this stuff. He's, like, <laughs> he's like way into it. He's like, woo, just matching their energy. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of love that. It's like, okay, that's those moments are where Jerry's probably going to save their life. He's be like, yeah, I'm one of you guys. Yeah. Yeah, he's just eating up every bit. Yeah. So that's at least that's very good that it's not completely one uh, awful, awful character 100%. Right. It's just, he's, I'd say he's 60% awful. Yeah, it's just like he's just so fucking dumb that he's yeah. gotten them there. That, and you, like, can't mm-hmm. not hate him for that. Yeah, and again, it the whole, I, I feel like, again, even though they probably would have died mm-hmm. anyhow, while RJ's still working on the car and they're set to endure this talent show it's just whenever baby starts sitting on uh rain wilson's lap that his girlfriend's like get off of him right you know it starts smacking her and it's like you already know they're not normal like why would you physically assault anyone like no especially somebody who you already think is like weird and like dangerous why would you Mm -hmm. why would you just like whenever they're being friendly even though it's not ideal you're obviously jealous Mm -hmm. that there's a woman on rain wilson's lap right now it's like bro just like bitch about it in the car later like don't yeah. don't physically assault it's not like she was unzipping mm-hmm. his pants and sucking her dick right in front of you it's like it was like, yeah like, just like bro yeah. and that's one of the things i find the most interesting is the fact that um you know they actually do fix the car for them which makes me believe that like if that scene didn't happen they might have escaped because why would they fix the car if they want him to escape you know yeah but then they're also asked the question why is otis and tiny dressed up as scarecrows hanging out in the rain in front of the gate there it wasn't like oh they they slap baby we gotta we gotta that's true that's true and then so that's the one thing i will say is like are they just trolling them like yeah you could leave psych yeah there because they have to like open the gate which again i feel like i do like the scene even though it doesn't make sense to Mm -hmm. me on why they would do that besides screwing with them right and um i i will say this the one thing rob zombie is able to capture in this film is this sheer like sexuality and violence of the film like i feel like again like just the stuff they do it really starts to show the 
more chaotic evil baby and otis especially have because i feel mm-hmm. like between all the people you see you see their maliciousness the most 100 percent, yeah and it definitely kind of gives it such an unruly feeling because not only do they have the four people now but they've had these cheerleaders trapped that they kidnapped right and again that's kind of more serving for them to be just bodies to add to the counter mm-hmm. uh, the corpse counter remember right. that just um <laughs> But I, I feel like because of that, it also makes a film way more disorienting because, again, it has those editing cuts to where, like, something will be going on then just shows them, again, just mm-hmm. being, like, violent towards other people's. Right. And while it is very artistic, again, you know, all style, no substance. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, uh yeah. And the fact that, like, even the cheerleaders don't seem to, like, be in one place very mm-hmm. often. Like, they, they're getting moved around, but, like, how are these people moving to different parts of the house? Later on, you see some... And then, then they, like, store each of the people that... Each of the four people that they caught in different yeah. rooms. But then somehow, like, they... Like, all the cheerleaders, I guess, end up in the shed. And yeah. And, you know, like, I don't... And then they... And then even whenever they go to, like, kill them, you know, finally oh. after torturing them, they drag them out mm. to some graveyard that's like way off their property or something and like i don't yeah i i feel like i you ever have like one of those things where something makes sense in your head you have like this ingenious philosophy idea in your mm. head and you try to write it down on paper and try to tell somebody that knows nothing about it and to that other person it makes no sense right that's what i feel like this film is because i I don't want to say, like, you know, they're doing all this for nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, especially hearing Otis, the way he speaks, and just his overall attitude towards America and society as a whole. I feel like he ha- definitely has the more political-fueled kind of yeah. um, reason, as opposed to Baby, I think, just enjoys just being chaotic yeah, she's and just screwing like with people. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And not to say Otis isn't. He definitely is, but I feel oh, like yeah. he has kind of a little more reason there. And we could definitely talk more about their violence overall. But uh, some of the kills they do are very shocking, to say the very least. Uh, yeah. Like, uh... Turn the slider up to ten for, yeah, the gruesome factor. But... Mm-hmm, for sure. Because, um, were you expecting Rain Wilson's fate? <laughs> uh... Like, to happen the way it did. I don't even remember what happened to Rainbow. So, <laughs> so much. So just, it's just the it's it's movie. a very yes. I I would definitely say that it amps up the gore. It feels oh, like oh yeah, he turned film. into like a fishy mermaid thing. Yeah, fish boy. Fish boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I the first time I saw it, I'm like, what am I looking <laughs> at? Like, well, that kind of threw me off because it made me believe that and the line later that he delivers that he was uh, Doctor Satan. That you know. Yes. Because he, like, surgically puts them together, and you talk about inspiration, and mm-hmm. he's obviously carving up all these people and enjoying it, and then later, whenever all the bunnies are tied, they're, like, they put them in bunny mm-hmm. suits or whatever, and they're all tied in the middle for the Halloween thing, and he's, like, he puts on the skin of her father that he kills Oh, God, him. yeah. And then he's, like, you wanted to see Dr. Satan, and he, like, lifts up the map, and he's, like, you whatever and i was like oh, yeah so he's dr satan and then you meet dr satan like 30 yeah later. yeah like, you definitely confirm like yep he he's real for sure which is also a crazy lead up there but um it definitely it's one of those things that you know how like horror films can be fun with the kills yeah this is not one of them this is definitely kind of more it's not like 
it makes me wrench too much to mm -hmm. where like how gruesome it is but because they have the scene of like the girlfriend asking like you know where's bill yeah and it's like oh bill's a great guy yeah. he helped me out a ton and then like before they reveal his uh fish statue uh resting place uh they show uh both baby and otis torturing him while brick house is blasting mm -hmm. through and it's definitely uncomfortable to watch just how they're cutting their face with razors they cut his hand off and are smacking him with his now cut off hand mm -hmm. it just definitely it's not like most serial killers where it's like okay it's killed done Right. No, they definitely make you revel in the gore and carnage mm -hmm. that they cause, which I think definitely helps add its identity, but it also, I think, makes it a little less of like a, oh, man, this is a riot film. Yeah, and like, that was one thing in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, they, they kill most of them pretty quick, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But, like, this, like, for this family, I would put, like, the title of torturer above murderer like they were no it's more absolutely. of a torture film than it is a murder film yeah because um you know the sawyer family is like just a, a cannibalistic crazy family but mm -hmm. again you don't feel aside from the dinner scene right. there that they're trying to torture people usually they're just trying to one and done them mm -hmm. but um yeah that was a crazy thing for me to watch the first time round was seeing rain wilson become fish boy yeah <laughs> um but again, I can't say I would change it, but it definitely is weird since, you know, again, it does lend itself to thinking like, oh, is Otis Dr. Satan there? Like they leave it up in the air about the mystery. And then as you continue on viewing the other people's fate, it's like uh, our good old boy Jerry is tied up in the creature from the Black Lagoon room mm -hmm. and baby starts like interrogating him and saying, you know, like, who's my favorite actor? And again, like, <laughs> he has no idea anything about her. Right. And then, you know, as soon as he answers wrong, she starts just scalping him. Mm -hmm. And then you jump over to uh, the other girl I can't think of. This is terrible. This is terrible that we can name all the psychopaths <laughs> names, but we cannot name our survivors. We've, I've seen this film twice. We've even got Bill and Jerry down by this point, but it's just the two women that just, like, what are their names? I know, like, they just kind of fall flat, but uh, anyhow, whenever we go into Tiny's room where Denise mm -hmm. uh, is there, and she's kind of, she, it kind of reminded me of uh, this scene from the Nightmare on Elm Street remake of, like, dressed up like the little girl there, mm -hmm. which obviously that remake came out way years later. But it's surprisingly reminded me of that there. But it was weird because she's dressed up like, you know, like a little doll. Like a doll, yeah. And it's funny because, like, she's strapped to a bed and then you see Tiny slump in with his uh, cheap-ass Halloween costume mm -hmm. literally written on his, like, shirt. And he just goes to sit down with his dog bowl and is eating Agatha Krispies. <laughs> and just eating, <laughs> tries to great. offer food to Denise there. And then she's like, no, like, starts crying because she's in an awful situation. He just shrugs, keeps eating. And, again, like, usually, like, you hear the cries of, please let me go, please let me go. Mm -hmm. And it it's not going to lead to anything. She says, please let me go. Tiny just looks over, undoes it, and it just continues eating. And yeah. she's like thanks i i gotta get going and he's like I gotta, I gotta go home now. and, and, and tiny's like okay yeah like tiny's <laughs> just like okay like and i'm like best defining character moment yeah. in horror history that one scene just defined tiny's character because again he's just not malicious he's just kind of 
rolling with the punches. He's mm-hmm. just like, okay. And I feel like it's not even like a sense of like Leatherface where you feel like Leatherface is just genuinely confused and equally frightened there. Yeah. And it's just kind of told what to do. You feel like just Tiny's just kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Tiny's really like the, like, like a Lenny, you know, like George and Lenny of Mice and Men. He's just, yes. He's just like this massive brute, but like... T- doesn't actually want to hurt anyone he just like likes the women because they're pretty and he's like mm. <laughs> yeah and he doesn't and, do anything like gross or sexual no, there he's specifically. just kinda, he's just kind of sitting there like oh you're cool and, and she's like i gotta go and he's like oh okay <laughs> yeah and i felt like that moment was awesome there of course it's uh short-lived once uh otis uh gets a hold of denise right. there but i definitely like that moment the one part of the movie that for me was like this is where the momentum completely stopped. Like it went to zero Mm -hmm. because I mean, it's pumping up super fast, got to zero is as soon as the dad starts asking, he's like, where's my daughter? And then calls the police. Mm -hmm. And while I did like the police investigation at Captain Spaulding's, cause we got to see kind of Captain Spaulding again with like faded makeup there. Mm -hmm. Um, and like a policeman as a uh, pig, as a policeman on Mm -hmm. his shirt there. Um, aside from that, whenever they go investigate the house, I didn't feel like any inch of adrenaline, not to mention they had the weirdest like editing stuff. Cause it's showing like multicolored stuff, inverting it of the, the police cars. Yeah. Uh, there's, and it's not even like the saw level of editing where, you know, they're like zooming fast to stimulate, like how fast they're going, even though they're clearly in one place. Right. This is just kind of being artsy with no good substance. Yeah. There's a few scenes like that too, where I thought, especially later on where, where Denise is like running away in the underground caverns where they're just like, would focus on her face halfway and you know, they with a really mm-hmm. shallow depth of field. And you could tell she's just like standing really still yeah. in front of the camera. It's just like, why would you, why do you, why'd you go to those links for yeah. this shot? And didn't yeah. even look that good. Yeah. And so that, and that I even thought was fair. This, I don't understand why they ended up like using, I guess they use it as a transition, all the stylistic lenses and, and special effects mm-hmm. just for a police car ride to the firefly household right it just doesn't make sense and they get out they're investigating kind of figuring out stuff which that stuff's fine but like as soon as the jig is up and they find the cheerleaders basically hanging in the mm-hmm. work shed um and then like the firefly family comes out basically starts killing him you know kills the head police officer then kills the dad this is the one shot that bothers the heck out of me. Really? Are you gonna, it, are you gonna say the, the the zoomed out shot where yes, he dies? Yes, it went on way too long. That's funny. I, I actually that was one of the shots that I liked. <laughs> really, yeah. really. Because it because of the this movie, I feel like the criticism I give is that it's being artsy and I you know quotation mark, but it's like it's being artsy and like a very metal kind of like do, do, do a shot show you this show this splicing in between these different scenes or whatever and that's like the one artsy moment where they actually slow down and then it like kind of makes you think and i like it was jarring in like kind of just like to give it that much space mm-hmm. but it actually made me kind of like look around the scene and actually take something in for the first time in the movie since the action started you know what i mean yeah so like i'll give it that I do think it was a little out of place for this movie, mm-hmm. but I did like it. Yeah, I, I think for me, the biggest thing I have is not so much the slowdown stuff. It's like the zoom out. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it went on forever, which again, I feel like is a very good defining moment for the character Otis. Because again, typically in situations where somebody's like, get down on your knees, you know, like that's usually whenever they start 
listing demands. Mm -hmm. But Otis doesn't have any demands as a character. He pretty much knows what he wants, and he's going to get it himself. He doesn't need stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it's just him basically screwing with the cop there, basically, right. and holds the gun to his forehead for the longest time. Mm -hmm. Till finally, what feels that like minutes, mm -hmm. he pulls the trigger. There, I feel like the tension there that they build, like, is is he gonna pull the trigger? Because he has an option there. Mm -hmm. it's like, if he pulls the trigger, then that's the end of the the cops are gonna bust him and save the kids. Or, uh -huh. You know what I mean? Um, and if he doesn't pull the trigger, is he gonna pull in and torture them? Is there then a way the cop escapes and calls in for backup? Yeah. Is there something? But no, he just he executes him there, and it turns into like that's also the death of the plot. <laughs> you um, know what I mean? That is so true. That is so true because afterwards, that's where things just become questionable as mm -hmm. to what the Firefly family's motivation is right. specifically. And I and I kind of wish because you know obviously, like two cops and a, and the girl's dad went missing right because they were all killed there. Yeah, there was never a throwback to the police station of like oh wow, mm -hmm. why aren't they back? We should yeah. probably go to the last place they went and more heavily armed now and mm -hmm. dead cops. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's definitely. But they didn't do that. There was no mm -hmm. throwback to that, so there was no semblance of somebody's going to save them. Mm -hmm. and I even thought that uh, that. Captain Spaulding was going to save them. And that, like, almost kind of happens at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, we could definitely talk about that whenever we get there. I think we should... I, I think the one jarring thing we should definitely talk about is the bunny rabbit scenes and going over to, like, mm -hmm. that field there. Because I think stylistically, it looks cool. Mm -hmm. But substance-wise, it's, like, nothing. I don't understand. It's another like, leap. Yeah, because yeah, like, this is the second time I've watched it. And I'm still not picking up there. Because, again, Dr. Satan, the group has asked the family members, like, you know, do you know anything about Dr. Satan? Mm -hmm. There, and they're just like, oh, yeah, Dr. Satan's real. You know, that's mm -hmm. all they say. They dance around it. But then they have, like, this whole ceremony of dressing the three remaining people that are still alive in bunny outfits. And they drag them out to this hole where they're going to load them up in a casket. And Jerry's just mentally out of it by this point. He's mm -hmm. just gone, not there. Um... And, you know, they're leaning in behind. And I do like how um, Mother Firefly is able to have one last moment. She's like, I, oh, can I just tell him goodbye? And he just, like, gives him one lovingly kiss there. And says, like, I wish things would have turned out different. <laughs> and then just throws him in a casket. And then um, Jerkwad McGee, the girl, mm -hmm. uh, decides to run. Which I completely understand. Yeah, hey, you I, did something right. Yeah, and so she's just, like, hauling it there while Denise is having a mental breakdown. And I do love how, like, Otis is like, you know, now I have to go get her. And Baby's like, no, no, let me, let me. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, okay. And I think it's, like, that's, I feel like it went from the best, like, one of the best scenes in the film to one of the weakest scenes with the way it had a strong beginning and weak finish. Because I, I, I felt like, you know, you've had a lot of the jump cuts and editing there where, again, looks like handheld camera, like just showing the characters talking. But I love how they took Otis's dialogue of like, run, rabbit, run. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like correlating to like telling everybody in America, they're like rabbits. They're like, you're all scared little rabbits. You know, and again, it feels like more like a natural conversation right. that they're able to take a snippet of and make it 
uh, applicable to this current scenario. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was well done and the music building up and just seeing her haul it in the bunny suit. And then she ends up in the graveyard after kind of uh, falling there. And then she's just uh, what like disoriented. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, how fast is baby moving around her? Make her disoriented. Like, no, keep running Mm -hmm. there. And so then whenever baby inevitably not shockingly tackles her and starts stabbing her through the chest there it's just i didn't feel a whole lot of anything yeah she didn't even really fight back for the being the only person that ran the only person that was Mm -hmm. like i gotta get the fuck out of here um like yeah she didn't fight back or anything while she was tackled just like stab 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 i would have loved to seen a struggle and there just yes there wasn't a lot of struggle in this movie and again for all the torture there was i i feel like it does help add a narrative to baby again just how again visceral she is but i feel like we already know that how deadly she is yeah as a person so i felt like it because of that it kind of just was like I okay like got it because she had beef with her because she sat on rain wilson's lounge yeah. and she got pushed over or whatever and so she was already like yeah i want to kill her so, so I, I like got it but then that was never like elaborated on Mm-mm. no i definitely not the one thing i also don't get the deliberation on is why the firefly family has this big kind of ritualistic sort of thing like going to dr satan because mm-hmm. and here's the thing the future films they don't talk about dr satan <laughs> at all that's probably for the best he, no he's like he's interesting once you see him but i mm-hmm. feel like until that moment he really wasn't that interesting yeah but they have like a whole ritual set up there from like lowering the two remaining survivors into a casket lowering it down to like the pool of water there mm-hmm. then lowering down a lantern with like a voice recorder playing like <laughs> doing that mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the coffin's torn apart by these mud people hiding in the water mm-hmm. it just becomes quickly fantastical oh, yeah. there and you're like i have no idea what's going on and meanwhile while they're running around underground the firefly family takes the body of the uh mean girlfriend and mm-hmm. that's to put it politely the bitch yeah, yeah. <laughs> um on like the pile of like crosses there and then burns it and like does that and it's like okay is this like a ritual for dr satan or like what is this yeah I, and it's just kind of more like it looks cool that's that's, that's oh yeah that's 100 I, I feel like it's just like yep this mm-hmm. is a neat scene wouldn't it be mm-hmm. neat if this happened and then there's no like real context or reason yes for sure and um I feel like that's going on on the surface. So again, I just, and even like Otis's outfit where he has like the black cross, the white face paint there and the red robes, you feel like they're going to explain more of what they're doing, but they don't Right there. And again, whenever the bodies in the water start attacking the two main survivors, they don't really explain how the final girl is able to make it out. She like slivers off to the side and crawls through this cavern and as she's walking through, she finds these two individuals that rip off her rabbit costume and then just walk away. Mm-hmm. So, which again, it kind of gave me an Alice in Wonderland sort of vibe there with her outfit. Kind of reminded me oh, of like yeah. Alice's outfit, rabbit, da- rabbit hole, rabbit yeah, down there. And uh, this is where I assume you see most of the corpses because, mm-hmm. like, of all the corpses that are lying the hallway. Which again, 
thematically it looks cool and i can understand why universal decided to turn it into a halloween horror nights house for two years oh, really? at halloween horror nights yeah mm-hmm. i haven't seen a walkthrough through it but i might try to do so since i never know when it's going to pop back up but I assume they were inspired or maybe even shot part of it in the cathedral of bones or whatever yes heard of that in the yes like capuchin Czech... crypt yeah, yeah i think yeah, something like that in the Czech Republic. Yeah. yes yeah like where they have like a chandelier made out of bones yeah, and stuff yeah i definitely got that inspiration vibes which again looks cool but mm-hmm. again it does have like those weird cut up angles as you see denise able to remember the name now d nice um (laughs) um go through until she enters a room filled with like these dudes watching tv with these weird headgear stuff then you see like this surgeon that's attached on wires dissecting Mm -hmm. jerry's brain as he's alive Mm -hmm. and i I thought he was dr satan the first time i watched it is that not dr satan i don't think so i think it's the dude with the goggles there um, I only know that just because of, um, you know, the walkthrough attraction. They showed him with, like, red goggles on. I thought that was just, like, Dr. Satan's henchman guy that was getting things for Dr. Satan. Yeah. Which... I would assume the doctor is the one doing the surgery stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, let me see if I could try to... Okay, no, that is Dr. Satan. I'm just stupid. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, that makes me feel better because I'm, like... I thought it was the other guy because of the goggles and the walkthrough attraction. There was, like, the red goggles showing mm-hmm. through. But, yeah, that definitely makes more sense there. Who the hell's the other guy, then? Just, just oh, the Satan. professor. Oh, the professor. Of course. Doesn't he look like a professor type to you? He's got an X on his head. He's Professor X. Well, that makes me feel better because, uh, also, spoiler alert, uh, like I mentioned before, they don't ever talk about these characters again. This is just a first-time film. Well... Debut and I do think the professor looked cool. Yeah, um, he. I don't think he had any reason to be there. You know what I mean? It was just like suddenly there's a bad guy, and it's like okay, well we just saw like six of them, and now it's like okay, well here's the bad guy that, that finally the killer she's running from, and then he dies like immediately after swinging his axe twice. But no, that's definitely uh, fair because I feel like visually it's cool, but also it's just like. Okay, so Dr. Satan lived mm-hmm. and has been hiding underground, has this entire giant crypt, right. is a firefighter family. I'm guessing they're connected to Dr. Satan. Are they feeding Dr. Satan? Is mm-hmm. that part of their religion? Like, there's no connection. It's just kind of, they just are like, well, uh, you're going to meet Dr. Satan Pfft, there, which we know is in this hole. Right. And surprisingly, Denise escapes. That yeah. was a very surprising escape from the hulking professor right with the axe there and um i feel like again it's not so much days ex machina but i don't believe how she was able to escape there just by coincidentally avoiding the swinging axe and then he swings into the support Mm -hmm. pillar which causes a collapse that kills him but not her and also opens an escape hatch which would be more interesting i mean i thought the shot was visually mm-hmm. cool but didn't make any sense that she literally just like appears from the earth you know what i mean she... no i i definitely agree with that i just feel like it's cool but also just on a narrative standpoint i just feel like from the point you know they say you're gonna meet dr satan that's where things really get off the rail and again yeah. visually it's cool but substance wise not a lot to get there Um, I will say I do like the ending a little bit. It's not like a, oh, I love the ending, but it's like, 
I like the ending fine with Denise like stumbling out there, wandering through, all bloodied up, bruised up, everything. And Captain Spaulding happens to be driving on this road Mm -hmm. who has, again, remained morally ambiguous throughout the film. Because, again, whenever the police ask him questions, he doesn't cover for the Firefly family. He tells them exactly everything he could see on his side Mm -hmm. of the woods there. Um, and he picks him up and, uh, I love the line. He's like, I, I, I need to see a doctor. He's like, oh yeah, I'll take you to a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it's driving there, Otis rises from the back of the car seat there With and a it, knife. yeah. And then grabs Denise and then it cuts to her being dissected on by Dr. Satan. And then <laughs> the end pops up with a question mark and i guess just shows that yep captain spaulding is in cahoots with the firefly family a bit and it's weird because he did come up in a conversation with them and they were like roasting him yeah because they're like you know where'd you hear about dr satan it's like yeah we heard it from uh, captain spaulding he's like he's willing to say whatever for his fun house Mm -hmm. you know to like brush him off there and but again there's like really no hints that they're together Right. Aside from the fact that they're a little, that Captain Spaulding, I'd probably say out of the entire group is the most grounded, mm-hmm. I would say, out of the group, but again, has a very demented side as well. Oh, yeah. He's willing to lead into. So that was like one of those things I remember writing in my review that I was disappointed. Uh, I, 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 I was surprise had how i was disappointed like oh captain spaulding's not a good guy because again he mm-hmm. seems like a fun dude to hang out with and specifically I would, that's kind of like okay so as soon as the shift of who the bad guy is got shifted to the family like really as soon as they mm-hmm. picked up the hitchhiker i was like okay this is where the bad guys come in and it's not captain spaulding i was like he's gonna come back in the end for something you know what i mean like yeah just, they wouldn't just have established all this shit about him and then just never bring him up again mm-hmm. so it's like i bet he saves them like he's like uh, yeah like you know something happens and so then whenever the cops came and they were asking him about it, i'm like okay well this is how he knows that they're there cool okay he's gonna like do something to yeah. save them somehow um and then the cop or, or you know the cops just win and this is the this is how he was brought up again mm-hmm. cops don't win i was like okay and they never mentioned the cops again or and it was like okay so the cops aren't coming back i guess um so i was like okay well, I'm, I'm waiting for captain spaulding he's, he's got to show up again and he does mm-hmm. show up again and then and i was like okay i didn't quite imagine him to save her this way just coincidentally but that's cool yeah. and then yeah whenever he popped up from the back or whatever otis popped out of the back i was like Ugh. And then she just, and there's like all this editing and then she wakes up and it just seemed like a dream sequence. And I was like, did she, like, did that even happen? Did she just imagine all that? I don't even know. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. That just reminded me of something that I, I completely forgot about the first time. The dream sequence. Do you remember her dream sequence before she woke up strapped to the bed? Like the weird colors in front of Dr. Satan's grave and a hand popping out with like this gorilla type figure. Yeah. Apparently that was skunk ape. That was a character that Rob Zombie had established in the movie and did nothing with it. (laughs) Apparently, he didn't have any time because you heard about like, because that was one of the other weird moments in the film is they would interview these random people, whether it was about that or just like where the kids are. It's just like Mm -hmm. such disorienting stuff. Right. And that's because she was the one that had a weird dream thing before. And then they used like that same editing for getting her back into Mm -hmm the cave i was like did like was that a dream like i don't know (laughs) did that happen i don't even know yeah it's just so bizarre and random there that it tends to again it just 
kind of throws everything out of whack. So that was a weird thing that didn't, I don't feel like needed to be in the film there. That was like, you could cut that out and it wouldn't affect the film whatsoever. I will always Um, uh, criticize a movie for making me question if something was a dream or not. In mm -hmm. every movie with, with one exception and that's, inception yes <laughs> yes I was, about to, because, I was about to ask but that's because the whole plot is about that you know what I mean? yeah the whole po- plot is about dreams it's right. not just uh dreams device and waking up from them so like yes of course that's mm-hmm. a, that's a good way to end it every no. other movie that's just like oh was it a dream or not i'm just like shut the fuck up <laughs> fuck you. oh my god it's so good um so I, I I am curious to dissect more of like this reaction I got from you, mm-hmm. um, but whenever Captain Spaulding saves a girl and then turns out, oh no, he's just a vehicle to return her back. You oh, went literally a vehicle. You, yeah. <laughs> um, you went like, Ugh. so were you saying like were you disappointed? I think so. Yeah. I just yeah. yeah I think yeah I think my reaction was largely to that yeah that just him with the knife and like. Just weird slow motion, like he's yeah. just gonna slash her in the backseat. Like it's more of cringy of how they did the surprise reveal. Yeah. Got it. That's that's totally fair. Yeah, it was one of those things that again I thought the same thing too. Like, oh well maybe Captain Spaulding saves them. That'd be kind of a cool device. Someone that's a little demented isn't really that bad of a guy. And it's like, oh no, he, he he's pretty crummy. So mm-hmm. we kinda know, even though he stays morally ambiguous, he kinda leans more towards the bad side than good. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah, I yeah. Even then like I don't know. Maybe he was just trying to save his bacon. We don't know how Otis got in that car or why he was driving by there. Yeah, yeah. Don't know the context of the scene, and you never will. Right. (laughs) So I I feel like, again, I I feel like we've consistently have stated a lot of high praises, which you're able to do without spoiling stuff. But then once you're able to spoil what's in the movie, that's where the real kind of ugly side starts to pop up for me. So I feel like all your criticisms, I've pretty much have been. No, no, for you. I feel like mm-hmm. this is the one film that I feel like we've been very in sync with. Yeah, yeah. Because even as you were bringing up things, I was like, "Yep, I was gonna say that." Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one few time where it's just like we're hitting all the same bullet points, pretty much exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, before getting kind of close, since we're wrapping things up, was there anything else you felt like you needed to talk about or mention about this film? Boy, not even. No, I mean, there's so many things. There's so many sets and stuff that it's like normally these would be things I'd be talking talking about little scenes little moments or whatever but it's just like there was so much i felt like he tried to jam in so much maybe it's because it was his first movie you know he's like i gotta get all these little details that are swarming around in my imagination that yeah it really did just muddy the whole film experience for me but overall i mean i think it's cool i think there's great characters and i would recommend that somebody that really likes gruesome horror you know that kind of aesthetic and doesn't is not squeamish you know yeah give it a watch you know it, it was fun um it's just yeah i just wish i wish the ending was more tied into a bow instead of just unraveled but no i i think that's definitely fair i feel like this film like if the narrative had been stronger it easily would have been like the upper echelon of ratings there but because narratively it starts to kind of take a nosedive <laughs> midway through the film i can't in good conscience give it like a high stellar rating there um yeah but i mean aside from that uh i i feel pretty exhausted i was very surprised we were able to talk about as much as we were in this film um yeah i I think it's uh teaser time (gasps) okay 
teaser time. Are you going to tease me? Uh, I'll try you to. Got, you got a movie all figured out? I, I feel like we've been on a sequel streak since we've had this podcast going on for almost a year, you know. Mm-hmm. N- not mm-hmm. quite there, but almost. I think it's time to revisit a uh, friend of sorts. Buddy. Oh, an old friend, honey. Yes, an old an old friend indeed it is. An old bloke. <laughs> yes, an old bloke it is. Um, which is actually funny. I'm doing that accent because American Werewolf in London too. No, but it is in the UK. It is UK based. That's scary enough. Yes, yes, it's horrifying. Practically, think of the teeth. Yes, and it is a sequel to a film that, spoiler alert, we've already done. Okay. And uh, you find it very, you'll you'll find yourself on uh, pins and needles. Oh, is it Hellraiser two? You betcha, it's Hellraiser two. Interesting. I'll, I'll be. I'll. <laughs> I don't know how I came to that conclusion. It's like I chose randomly. Whoa! Whoa! Oh! Anyways, I I, nice. I I feel like it's time to revisit our uh, friend Pinhead and the gang and see what all they've been up to with their Pinhead. little. lament configuration so aside from that thank you all so much for listening to this episode and we'll catch you all again next time when we're popping the scary with hellraiser or should i say adieu 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 Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube, CastBox, or iTunes platforms to stay up to date when new episodes drop. To see what Aaron and I are up to, check out our respective Twitter accounts. For me, it is at ColkirkVA, and for Aaron, it is at AnimalGameDev. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. We'll speak to you all again next time when we're popping the scary.